Second Samuel chapter 17, verse 27. It says, Now it happened when David had come to Mehanaim, that Shobai the son of Nahash from Rabbah of the people of Ammon, Makir the son of Amiel from Lodibar, and Barzillai the Gileadite from Rogelim, brought beds and basins, earthen vessels and wheat, barley and flour, parched grain and beans, lentils and parched seeds, honey and curds, sheep and cheese of the herd, for David and the people who were with him to eat. For they said, The people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. That's where we'll pause and once again ask the Lord to bless our considerations this morning. Heavenly Father, we're grateful, Lord, to be in your presence. We're grateful that you feed us, that you care for us. Father, we're grateful that you provide for us all our needs. If we seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, Lord, all things that we need will be added unto us. Help us to understand that and recognize that. And Father, I pray that you would also help us as we consider this morning that, Lord, we can help in that provision, that provision that all things, all needs can be added unto others as well, Father. Help us to be the part that you want us to be. Help us, Lord, to be the useful vessels that we can be for your glory and for your grace to others. We give you the glory. We give you the thanksgiving. Bless this time as we consider your word, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, saints, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I felt kind of led to talk to the younger people this morning. Uh, when I say the younger people, you know, I, I have felt led at times to bring a lesson that's geared towards the kids, but I feel like I end up still speaking to the adults. I used to have a real gift with children, I think. Uh, that gift is long since put away, it feels like. I don't speak so well to the youngest ones, but that being said... I feel like I'm supposed to kind of speak to the younger people this morning. So when I say the young ones, I don't mean, you know, necessarily Emmy and Sonny and and the youngest of the young, but somewhere in between those tweens. And as it typically turns out, when we're speaking to the children, at least I found when someone else is speaking to the children, uh, all of God's children tend to benefit from it. So I trust that this will be a blessing. uh, And... Well, speak to whatever child of God is listening this morning. Uh, I might ask a couple of questions, young people. I don't know. Uh, That's what I kind of feel like I'm going to go in the direction of. But if you want to answer a question, by all means, please feel free to answer a question. Throw your hand up so I can see it. Throw, Throw it up really high, and I will call on you. I might just call on some individual. And if you don't want to answer it, You just shake your head or something along those lines. and I don't know. I'm not sure exactly how it's going to go this morning, but we'll see. And we'll keep order regardless, uh, whatever the case might be. But that being said, we need to look and see what's happening here in 2 Samuel chapter 17. What this little piece that... Well, oftentimes when we prepare a lesson, when, when we consider the word together, oftentimes what I, what I do is, and Brother David before me and Brother Doug and some other ones do, they'll bring out a, a piece of scripture and then kind of bring the whole lesson around that. And so that's what we're looking at here this morning. Um, what, what's happening here when David's going to Mehanaim? I don't expect anyone to just remember that right out of the gates, right off the back of their, the top of their head, know exactly what's happening there. Um, So let's talk about it. First off, here's question number one. Who's the greatest king that Israel ever had? Young people. Who's the greatest king that Israel ever had? You might think it's a trick question. 
All right. Old people. Who's the greatest king? That go ahead, Caroline. David, King David. Uh, he's the greatest king. Now, that, I'm speaking naturally, but there's also a spiritual element that comes comes along with that as well, because he was a man of God. He was a God after or a man after God's own heart. Uh, now, David, I think it's clear he's the greatest king that Israel ever had. But even kings, even good kings, even great kings go through hard times. And David was going through a hard time here, uh, in part because of his own doing. I'm not going to talk about that this morning. But we can understand that if you read through Second Samuel 17 and the chapters prior to that, he, he was going through a hard time. And that was because his son had gathered some friends. His son had gathered some supporters. The son of the king gathered up people to get on his team, on his side, and run his dad off of the throne. Does anyone by chance know the name of that son who did that? Absalom. Brother Gary, he's a young at heart. He is. He is. Absalom indeed was the one. Was the one who ran his his dad off of the throne. Now... Absalom did some awful things. Again, I'm not going to get into all of the details this morning. But he stole his dad's throne. He stole his dad's home. He stole some of his dad's friends. Stole some of his dad's people. He ultimately wanted to even take his dad's life. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what that would be to, well, actually have a child who would want you to die? And take what you have. If you look in verse 4 of Second Samuel chapter 17, the same chapter that we're in after some of his advisors said listen we'll go and we'll get the people back and we'll we'll actually the only person that will strike down is your dad now you might get mad at your dad from time to time young people you might get upset at your mom from time to time when this person said that he would strike down absalom's dad it says that the saying pleased absalom and all the elders of israel Uh, they didn't recognize the greatness of David and they wanted something else for themselves. And I'll tell you what else this also uh, adds to this situation here. David loved Absalom. David loved him. Um, You know, (laughs) you young people, you're not parents yet. You're not parents, but you can understand that even when your mom and dad make you upset, you love them regardless. Well, I can just tell you, (laughs) There's something about a parent's love for their child, something about a parent's love for their kid, uh, that, well, even after Absalom decided that he didn't mind if his dad was put to death, he still loved him, David did. Uh, It's pretty remarkable that the love of that king didn't change, well, didn't change for his son even after the heart of his son was proven to be sinful and proven to be wrong and proven to be hateful towards him. Absalom wanted the kingdom, and he came for it. And so what David did was he decided to leave. Look in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 13, just giving the history again of well, that passage that we read to open up with. 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 13. David gets, well, updated. Uh, he... His advisors told him what the situation was. And it says, A messenger came to David saying, The hearts of the men of Israel are with Absalom. They have turned on you, O king. They are with him. And so David said to all his servants who were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee. 
or we shall not escape from Absalom. Make haste to depart, lest he overtake us suddenly and bring disaster upon us and strike the city with the edge of the sword. And the king's servants said to the king, We are your servants, ready to do whatever my lord the king commands. And so they did. And so they followed him out. David said, Listen, he's going to kill us. It doesn't matter that I love him. It doesn't matter what I feel about him. It doesn't matter what our relationship should be. He's going to kill us. I understand what's going on. I know what he wants and I know what this whole plan has been. He wants me dead. And so we need to get up and we need to get out of here. And so these ones that were faithful to the king went with him. So, okay, we're, we are your servants ready to do whatever it is that, that you command us. And so they followed him. And so he left Jerusalem with these people, went out through the wilderness and made his way to the east towards that Jordan River. Uh, ultimately, he would cross over that Jordan River and leave Jerusalem behind for an unspecified, unknown period of time. He didn't know how long it was going to be. I'm not sure that the Lord gave him full understanding of how long it would be. These people certainly didn't know how long it was going to be. They went with this king that they loved, that they honored and respected. They went with him. Uh, they wanted to follow him even when those other ones chose to go with Absalom. There might have been place for them. There was place for some who were still... Well, who were still eager to stay in their place of responsibility, eager to stay with the king, even if he wasn't, well, even if he was kind of a dirtbag and was doing his dad wrong. They were, there were some who decided, yeah, let's stay with Absalom because we might be somebody. David's gone. Absalom is running him off. Uh, some people did decide to do that, but there were those ones who followed after the king. Now, young people, you understand that Oftentimes, as you grow up in, in this meeting and you grow up studying the Word, you understand that there can be, when you're reading the Word and you're studying the Word, you can look and see that there's a story here, but this, man, this sounds real familiar and this seems very much like something else we see in the Bible. And we can see shadows of what's to come, or we can see pictures of something to come, or pictures that we know and we see elsewhere in Scripture. So let's stop for a minute and just look at this for a minute. Let's look at this, this situation that has a good king, a great king who fought for his people, who defended his people, who went, well, you can read in Scripture where it says that he went in and out before his people. They saw him. He kept himself transparent, had one great fault and one great failure. But other than that, David battled in front of everybody. When they went to battle, he went with them. He preached before them. He spoke. He he. He celebrated the Lord. He danced in front of the people in the Spirit. I mean, he did a number of different things. He was who he was. Uh, he, he was a man. He was a great king. He was a good man. Uh, and then we see a son here of that same man. Well, and a large portion of the kingdom that the great king was over rejecting him. Turning on the king, acting like he was no good. Uh, well wanted his place. What does that sound like? Does that sound like anything to us? A good king who did everything for his people and a people who were unappreciative and dismissive of that king. Does that sound like anyone to you guys? Young people? Who does that sound like? Anything? Older people? Caroline, Caroline, you've got something. Go ahead. What's that? Does it sound like us, Caroline? What does it sound like us? How? I know where you're going. 
right? Who don't respect Jesus, right? Is that what she said? Yeah. That, you know, we're God's people, certainly. And do we sometimes disrespect Jesus, that great king? Of course. Of course. But, you know, he created all people. He created all, <laughs> all people. And there are those ones who choose to go with Jesus. And then there are those ones who, despite him being that great king, despite the record of everything that he's done, and despite the, the evidence of everything that he is, still choose to hang on to the world. Still choose to stay with, with the authority that is over, the, we can call Satan who he is. He has a certain measure of authority over this world. And he promises things and he offers things to those people who will stick with him and be his friend, you might say, as opposed to being friends with that great king. The greatest king ever, right? The Lord Jesus. He's the king of kings. Uh, and so we see that picture here. We see that Jesus said, all right, these ones are going to dismiss me. These ones are not going to follow me. These ones are going to stay embedded in this place. And I'm going to go across the wilderness and leave for a time. I'm going to step across and anyone who is willing to come with me can. Uh, the king of kings did that. He, after he created people and fought for people in his own way and taught the people and was an example for the people, came and walked this earth and he healed the people and he defended the people and he died for people. All mankind, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He did that for all people. And then when given the option and given the opportunity, so many people oftentimes turn and go the opposite direction, right? Or determine to stay. I, I don't want what Jesus has. And so they'll turn on Him even. Uh, we can see that in the Bible. If you look in Luke chapter 23... Uh, we see multitudes of people making choices. Now, I won't turn there just for time's sake. I don't want to get behind here. We might actually finish finish early this morning, dare I make that prediction. But we see a number of different places in Scripture where a crowd makes a choice. Jesus was in the garden, and it says that Judas came, and he led a whole crowd of people to arrest him. A whole crowd. You know, when not much more, not much... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not long before that situation, Jesus was out amongst the people, preaching and healing and, and loving the people. And a crowd came to arrest him along with Judas. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 1, it says, The whole multitude, the whole multitude of people were there and led him to Pilate. Now, in Luke 23 and verse 1, did I put, there it is. The whole multitude of them arose and led him to Pilate, and they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king, and so on and so forth. This being a multitude of people, not just the priests that wanted him gone, not just those ones who bore false witness, but there were a number of other people who were there that got caught up in the motion, got caught up in the opportunity to be with, well, not with this one who maybe he isn't all that, but to be with these ones who were dressed in their fine robes and their regalia and these ones who well, had authority that they could see and witness and, and recognize and followed after for some time, they sided with them. And it says that the whole multitude went and took him to Pilate, that Roman governor, ultimately saying, give us Barabbas. Don't, don't give us Jesus, give us Barabbas. Jesus then died on the cross, we understand. 
A great multitude of people still today don't believe in the Lord Jesus. A great number of people. He says in John 15, 18, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And the reason why I put that there is because it says that the world hates him. Not everyone in the world, but the world as it is. That whole system that the world is and its self-importance and its self-focus and Anything that is against the Lord Jesus, it hates him and hates us who follow after him and choose to go into the wilderness with him. And that's the sad part of the story, actually. That The sad part of the story is not just that these ones left, well, stayed and remained when David went out, but the picture that it is of so many people rejecting Jesus, rejecting the King of Kings. Not believing in the one who is the greatest king of all, even though, like David with Absalom, he still loves them nonetheless. Uh, It's remarkable, and it's a sad consideration. Now, that being said, thankfully, many do believe. There is a multitude, a multitude of believers, a multitude of ones who went with him. Many people love the king. Many people have followed the Lord Jesus, into the wilderness. Uh, When I say into the wilderness, you understand we're kind of in that wilderness right now. We're in the world and we are following after the Lord Jesus. Even though he's come and gone, he's still with us. He still leads us. Just as David was with them and leading them into a different place, in in a separate place, a less comfortable place perhaps, but they were with him. And there are plenty of people who still believe in the Lord Jesus and follow after him. And that's where our lesson begins this morning. That was kind of an introduction, but we're certainly in the meat of things. That's where our lesson begins here, with the ones that followed King David, and the ones who helped King David and those ones who followed him. We read there in verse, uh, in verse 28, or 27 rather, of, of 2 Samuel chapter 17, of these three men, Shobai, Makir and Barzillai, these were men who lived on the other side of the Jordan River. And apparently when this mass of people came, David leading them and being among them, they came and they decided they were going to help these ones. Uh, They came to support these ones. They came to provide for these ones. And plainly they provided and helped well. It says that they brought beds and basins in verse 28, earthen vessels and wheat, Barley and flour, parched grain and beans, lentils and parched seeds, honey and curds, sheep and cheese of the herd for David and the people who were with him to eat. Now, you can look at this, and young people, there's not a single cheeseburger to be mentioned here. There's not a hot pocket among it. Uh, No coffee there if you are a coffee drinker. This might sound like... Beans and lentil, what in the world is a lentil? You know, you might not know what these things are. It might not sound like a great abundance to you. But let me assure you, this was an abundance of goodness that they brought out. This was richness, not just your basic, fundamental, just your grains. They brought out proteins. and they. Well, I, I did some studying on what all of this entailed. And, well, historians tell me that honey and curds... Now, I go to... I go to Culver's way more than I should, actually. But Culver's has some cheese curds that are there. And they're made little nuggets of cheddar goodness and roll it in a batter and deep fry it. And you, know, you can deep fry just about anything. I'll take a bite of it, probably. But it, deep, fry, deep fried cheese 
stuck in a pile and just ranch to dip it into. Uh, that's not the curds that are present here. It actually, if you look in the Hebrew, it means butter, apparently. And evidently, in that time, honey and curds, honey and butter, were thinned out and melted together and made quite the refreshing drink, is my understanding. So what we see here... Well, let me ask you guys, why did they do this? Why did these three ones, what were they providing for here? Why did they step out here and bring, well, beds and basins, these vessels and, and the wheat and the barley and the flour, these foods and drinks and all that stuff? Why did, they, why did they bring this stuff? Why did these three take it upon themselves? Anyone? What's that? They cared for the king. And they cared for the people. They cared for their needs. They saw that a need was there. And give the easy answer there in the second half of verse 29. They said, well, this is why. So they brought all this. For they said, the people are hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. They brought beds and basins because, well, you can sleep out on, on not basins, but they brought the beds. You can sleep out on the rocks. But if you have something underneath you, it's more comfortable. They brought food and an abundance of food and good quality food because they didn't want to just meet their needs. They wanted to meet their needs in abundance. They brought out this evidently, perhaps, honey and butter mixed together. They didn't just bring water. Water satisfies the thirst. They brought something that was refreshing. They saw that there was a need there and they didn't want to just meet the need. They wanted to meet the need and then some, right? I've had a number of people... (laughs) A lot of people, and I appreciate every last one of them that, that say, can I offer you some coffee? <laughs> and you know what? Sometimes I take them up on it. But man, I sure appreciate when they offer me the kind of coffee that I like. I'm a snob. You understand this. I've said it a hundred times. My dad says, you want some coffee? And I don't want his coffee because it's horrifying. It's terrible. It comes in a little plastic cup, and he buys it. I think he buys it at... Well, Menards or something like that, where they're not coffee specialists. I'm not sure what's going on. He, he offers that coffee, and I'm like, I'm grateful that you would want to supply for that need. But I, I'm good. How much better if it's, well, exactly the quality that I'm looking for? Man, abundance. Abundance is what these ones brought. Have you all ever been hungry? you ever been thirsty? Have you ever been really tired? What's the problem with these things? When you're, well, when you're tired, when you haven't slept well, even though young people, you know what, young people like to sleep now. Young people nap a whole lot, I found out, uh, as they get into their teens and whatnot. But little ones, babies don't want to take naps. But what happens if they don't? What happens if they don't sleep? They get cranky, right? They get cranky. They get whiny and they get just little evil little imps if they don't get enough, get enough rest. And likewise, teenagers, if they don't get enough rest, they, they're evil and, and whatnot. You, if you don't get enough sleep, if you go long enough without sleep, well, you know what, young people, it'll kill you. If you legit don't sleep at all, well, after a certain measure of time, your body will not be able to recover from that. If you're hungry, what happens if you don't get your lunch. Well, we have that term hangry, right? You can get hungry and angry together. You can get hangry. You get cranky because you feel uncomfortable. What happens if you don't eat for an extended period of time? You get sick and you die. What happens if you're thirsty? You get desperate feeling. My mouth is a little parched right now. Better, right? You get desperate feeling. You're like, mm, mm. And you can get kind of crusty if you don't drink 
for long enough, you get sick and you die. We need these things to be taken care of to live. We know this. And so these ones came and they provided and they offered because these ones left their places rather quickly, left things behind, wouldn't have the abundance that that they might have wanted to because they left in such haste. And so these ones saw the need, these three, Shobai, Makir, and Barzillai, saw the need, and they gave great gifts. Not just, not just enough. They gave great gifts because, as Judah said a moment ago, they plainly cared for the king, and they cared for the people. Now, we should care about people, right? I mean, we're Christians, right? We should care about people. It just goes without saying that the king, the greatest king of all, said so. John chapter 13 and verse 34, the greatest king of all, King Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. But uh, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So if you're going to be a uh, disciple, we're not one of the 12 perhaps, but we're a follower of Jesus. Jesus says, if you're going to be a disciple of mine, you make it plain by loving one another. Uh, we come here and we meet four times a week. Some of us do. I hope that you love one another. I hope that you love me. I love you. There's no question. If you're a follower of Jesus, it should be seen. It should be seen in your love for other followers of him. Not just in these walls, but elsewhere. Elsewhere where, where people love the Lord. Whether they're gathered in church or not. Now that being said, we're not only to love our families and love our church families and love those ones that are here. We're not only to love our buddies, I guess you could say, <laughs> spiritual buddies even. Uh, Jesus goes on to tell us uh, that love is extended to others as well. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 44. He says, but I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. <laughs> and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. He just said a moment ago, we read that passage where it said that the world hates you. Does that mean we should love the world? Well, the people who are in it, we should. Should we care for them? Should we seek to provide for them? Romans chapter 12 and verse 20. Paul's quoting Proverbs 25 and he says, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Now, don't necessarily just focus on that heaping coals of fire on his head. You know, that shouldn't be our sole purpose. But when we are kind and when we are good and when we love and when we give to those ones, well, who would be our enemies? Well, when they continue to be our enemies, it doesn't serve them well to be so. I'll just say it that way. Um, If you can help someone who's hungry, we should. If you can help someone who's thirsty, you should. If you can help someone who's weary and tired, and when I say if you can help someone, I mean taking in the practicalities and just speaking naturally speaking. If you can help someone without putting yourself and others in danger or something along those lines, again, you have to use your sense as you get older. If you can help someone who is hungry and weary and thirsty, we should as Christians. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbors, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. Now, especially when you're considering, well, your enemies. There's much, much more good that it's talking about here than just simply providing a meal. 
simply providing a cup of water or a good cup of coffee to somebody who's thirsty. It's more than just food and drink. Do not withhold good. People can be hungry and thirsty and weary spiritually. You understand that, kids, right? You see that there's that illustration. What we see in David, we see Jesus. What we see in the people, we see us. What we see in what's given here, we see that it's more than just food that we're looking to give. If you turn to Matthew chapter 9, Jesus knew the needs of the people when he was with his disciples, and he spoke about that. He looked out on these ones. And I like how he says this because... Well, he makes it kind of clear while making an illustration. In Matthew 9 and verse 36, he says, But when he saw the multitudes, the crowd once again, and this crowd would be mixed, you know, some leaning into faith, some leaning away from faith, some completely pushing away and just interested in what Jesus was about. Some might be all in on Jesus. But he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered, like sheep having no shepherd. They hadn't been led, hadn't been led well. The ones who were leading them religiously were now ones who, for the most part, were pushing away against Jesus and teaching them, well, to do the same, giving them an example of not believing in that one. They were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, he paints a picture here, the harvest truly is plentiful. There's a lot of production here. There's a lot of growth here. There's a lot of... Well, there's a lot of wheat here, perhaps, ready to be pulled up, ready to be harvested up. He says, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, can we be laborers in this situation? Can we give like those three gave? And I will ask you young people again, I'm not sure I'll get an answer, but can we give, well, for the weariness, for the thirst, for the hunger of those people spiritually, can we give? And if so, what can we give? All right, I'll help you out. Go ahead, Kate. My man. <laughs> That's right. Now, what is the Word of God that... Can I ask you to explain what you mean by that, Kate? What does the Word of God do? There you go. There you go. We can share the Word of God, which is, well, Jesus is the bread of life. It strengthens, right? Jesus and the Word that is Him strengthens. Can we satisfy or help with the weary? Well, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you Rest. Can we bring people to water? Can we help the spiritually thirsty? Well, Jesus says that those who will come to me, he give them, uh, well, springing up into everlasting life, those, that fountain that would come up out of him, whoever would come and drink of the water that he presents to them would never thirst again. Uh, it should be our joy to bring that. And it absolutely is the word of God that speaks Jesus. Can we do that even as young people? Yes, we can. <laughs> We can provide a meal to someone who's hungry naturally, but can you give something to someone spiritually that is eternal, that lasts for forever? Yeah, you sure can by sharing Jesus. Jesus is, well, he is the provision for the weary and the hungry and the thirsty. It should be our joy to take part in that. 
I think that uh, I think that those ones who came out, uh, Shobai and Makir and Barzillai, I imagine that there was a measure of joy that was there. I think that there was sadness, perhaps, in recognizing what was going on. Sadness in realizing that there were so many people that had been pushed out and that there were still yet so many people who were back in the kingdom who had pushed out David. But I think that those ones that they recognized as following the king and following him rightly, I imagine it must have given them joy to feed them, to give them honey and curds, to give them food and to give them beds. And so uh, it should be our joy to take part in that, to help others when we know that they need him, to comfort others when we know that they need him, and to encourage others when we know that they need him. We can do that. It doesn't matter what your age is. So, as we look at this story, as we look at this, this little piece that we read here, and as we consider ourselves, uh, I'm not going to ask you where we fit in there. I'm just going to tell you. We've looked at different pictures there. We saw King David is Jesus the King, right? It's just a picture of Jesus. The great king, a picture of the great king. The king that's not accepted by everyone. The king whose children and people and son have completely pushed him away. The king who's leading those ones who will follow him through the wilderness. We see King David uh, and Jesus in the king. We see the wilderness that he took them through. It not being the natural home of the people who followed him. It not being the place where they were comfortable. Um, It not being their actual home difficult, uh, not providing everything for them that they needed. We see them following that, and that's, that's, well, the wilderness is the world there, and the people who followed him are those ones going through the world. We see the food and the drink and the rest that was provided. We see them also as being Jesus and the word that's there. Where do we fit in here? Well, we can fit in as the people, the people who followed the king who rejected uh, who, the, who had been rejected. We see ourselves as Shobai and Makir and Barzillai, caring for the needs of those struggling people. We can be like them. But I, well, as you look around here, I have a little bit of an object lesson for you here. You can look in each one of these windowsills and you see all of these little pots that I set up here. If you attend this church, you know that this isn't usually what we have on the windowsill. Uh, we usually don't have much of anything there if it's not Christmas time. But I put up these pots because... Well, dropped here in the middle of that little verse, in verse 28 of 2 Samuel 17, I see something else that we can, that we can be. That's a very, almost cliche Christian uh, illustration, where it says they brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and so on and so forth. What were these pots for? What were these earthen vessels for? And can we be like these earthen vessels? Well, of course we can. They had to have something to transport all of these things, right? They had to transport that wheat and barley. They might have had some sacks and that sort of thing. They might have had sacks for the beans and the lentils and all that. But the butter and the honey and perhaps these other things, they need to be transported in certain things. They need to be carried in those different vessels and handed off to store things, to hold things, and to share and to serve things. They might not have grabbed all of their serving ware when they left their homes. They might not have had grab, been able to grab their bowls and their, their vessels that they used to create and, and make their meals and to serve their meals. And so these were provided by these three ones. And we are saints. Young people, we are those vessels. We're called to be those vessels. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, Paul says this. He says, It was God, it is It is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. 
who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now that's kind of wordy there. But it's saying that it is God who commanded light to shine, not just out of darkness when he said, let there be light. There is that natural light that was created. But he creates light within us as soon as we believe in the Lord Jesus. And that light is in us. We sing that song, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, Hide it under a bushel, no, I'm going to let it shine. We talk about those things. Hiding it and all of those things, that's our choice if we want to do that. Not let anyone ever see that. But once that light has shone in the darkness that is our hearts, it's always there. Always there. And he commanded that to be so as soon as we believe. I believe. Let there be light. Boom. There it was. Now, that being said, it shines in our hearts. And if we want to let it shine and we want to let it show, then the knowledge of God in Jesus is something that we can bless others with. It says, we have this treasure, the light, the bread, the fountain, the rest that is Jesus in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. Earthen vessels, like every one of these things that I, that I brought in, well, this here is not an earthen vessel. If you listen, you can hear that. It's aluminum. So it's not necessarily earthen. These are all clay. That one over there is a mortar. It might be chiseled out of rock, but it still came from the earth. I'm not sure. Every one of these other things was turned or shaped by hand or something out of clay. It's earth. It's dirt. And of course, it is, it is that picture because that's what we are. We're made up of dirt. The Lord shaped Adam of dust, blew into his nostrils, breathed life into him. And we're similar to that. Earthen vessels. We're something very, very natural that has something very, very supernatural within us. Something eternal in us. Now, as you look at these pots here, what, what, can, we, what can you tell me about these pots as they relate to one another? Anyone have anything to say that they notice about these pots? Caroline? They're all different sizes and shapes, aren't they? Let's see, what's my first thing on my thing here? They're all different sizes and shapes. Right there in my notes. No two are exactly alike. None of them. I, you know, we have four of them out up front here, and they look, man, they look so identical. But if you get down close to them, not one of them is the same as the other. There are little specks and little flecks here and there. No two of these are exactly alike. No two of them are even shaped the same. These, these here are, but these other ones are not. Some of these were crafted by hand. Some of them, I'm sure, came off an assembly line. None of them are the same color, exactly. Some of them are multiple colors. Some have handles. Some have spouts that are made to pour. Some of them don't seem like they have much function at all. They're just to be looked at. Uh, some of them might have something in it. Did anyone look in these pots when they went by? Not a darn thing in them, except for that one back there has dirt in it. I didn't pull the dirt out of it because... Sometimes vessels hold dirt in them. Sometimes they have beans in them. Sometimes they have lentils in them. Sometimes they have honey in them. Sometimes they have salt in them. Shobai and Makir and Barzillai, they brought these things, and I am confident that these vessels that they had had a number of different things in them. Some of these are pretty to look at. Some of them are not very pretty. Some of them have... Nasty crack in them. I'm not going to show them to you. Some of them have cracks that you can't see. All of them have cracks that you can't see. 
Saints, the same way that these things look different, we are all just a bit different. Naturally speaking, you look at us, we're different colors, we're different shapes, we're different sizes, different hair types, different blood types, all kinds of differences, naturally speaking. Spiritually speaking, we're all children of God. But spiritually speaking, we don't all carry the same as the next person does. Uh, Some of us... (laughs) might carry salt really really well you know just how it is some of us might be sickly sweet man we carry sugar without any kind of problems some of us well might be kind you know what let me just show you this one here now what good is this thing honestly uh it's pretty to look at right some of god's people can be be very pretty to look at and I don't just mean naturally speaking. You can look at someone and say, man, there's something to that person. They are godly and they are righteous. And, but if you look at the size of this, it's hard to put any beans in here. It's hard to put any lentils. I suppose you could funnel it and that sort of thing. It's hard to put a lot of milk. It'd be splashing all over the place. And, and maybe beans would pour out of this well, but not as easy as, say, that one over there. Man, you can... If you wanted some beans, you just reach and just grab them out. If you want to put more back, it's real easy to put more back. It's wide open and it's, and it's good to serve. Might not be much to look at. It's just a simple white jug. That one there is meant to pour. If you tried pouring out of this, it would slop all over the place. Looks really good. Looks really good. It's pretty. But its function isn't quite there. Whereas that one there, it might be pretty to you. But man, it is made to pour. Made to to. Move things out of it, whatever's within it. It's made to serve. Saints, some of us, some of us are made to serve. Some of us are wide open at the top, making it free for anyone to come and partake, presenting themselves and serving so that anyone might have of abundance. Some of us can sometimes have this narrow top where it's awfully hard to take anything of the things of God off, away. Awfully hard, oftentimes, to put it back in as well. Some might even have a cap on top of them so that nothing will go in or out. Uh, I remember a lesson that my grandpa gave. Not a lesson, but I found some notes. And he had given a lesson about the Dead Sea. And he said, the Dead Sea is a selfish, selfish sea. Because the Jordan River flows into it, but it lets nothing out. Nothing out. So all the sediment and all the salt goes into the Dead Sea. And it was selfish with everything. And so while water can evaporate from it, it doesn't allow the salts and all the garbage that comes in to leave. And so nothing grows in the Dead Sea. It's all salt. Nothing grows. It, it, it's a selfish, selfish lake. Takes all of, the, all of the water to come in, but does not share it. Saints, oftentimes we can be like the Dead Sea, being fed and being fed and being fed, and just not passing it along and allowing it to share, not allowing it to be poured out. We need to be willing to carry, and we need to be willing to share what we carry. We need to be considering what we have within us and what we're willing to, well, to share with those that we come into contact with. Young people, it's not too early to think about which one of these vessels you resemble. To consider, Lord, am I, well, am I skinny at the top? Am I wide open? What is it that I'm carrying? Am I carrying sugar? Am I carrying salt? 
Am I carrying lentils? Am I carrying something that's refreshing? Am I carrying something that, that is just grits the teeth every time that I want to share it? You know, every one of God's people is going to look different, and every one of God's people, what's, what they carry around might look different as well, but it should be a mix of all those things, I would say. If you're salty, you should probably hang out with some sugary people and dip into what they have. If you're too syrupy sweet, maybe you should hang out with the salty people. And maybe you balance one another out. I'm going to encourage you young people, first off, to carry God's things. Righteous things. Things that are, well, that come from the Lord Jesus, that are infused with Him. And I'm going to encourage you to share and share and share those things in Romans chapter 12 and verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Again, kind of wordy there, kids, but what it's saying is, be nice. (laughs) Be affectionate to one another. With brotherly love. Not ungodly love. Not carnal love, not by any means, but in honor, giving preference to one another. Not being self-centered, self-focused, selfish, selfish, selfish. Not lagging in diligence, paying attention to the needs of others. Fervent in spirit, rejoicing in the things of God. And rejoicing in seeing others rejoicing in the things of God. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. Continuing steadfastly in prayer. All of these things are those things that we should carry within these vessels. Distributing to the needs of the saints. Given to hospitality. Certainly the natural needs we should be distributing to those things. But we should be willing to share with those ones who are thirsty, weary, hungry spiritually. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. We bless by giving them the Lord Jesus to the measure that, that the Lord leads and allows us to. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Young people, let me just say this. If you struggle with carrying anything of the things of God, if you look at the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, tenderness, self-control. I don't think I quoted that right. But if you find yourself, you go to the Lord and you realize, I'm not carrying the things. I don't have the gifts to share that I would like to have, that the Lord would have you to have. Then ask Him to change your... What's in? What's inside? What's within you? If you aren't feeling yourself willing to pour out, ask Him to change your shape. Ask Him to widen the neck, perhaps. Ask Him to open you up so that others might (laughs) dip in and partake. Ask that He might shape you, the tip of you, so that you might pour out and share and share and share. He can change your shape. He can change your mind. He can change your interests. He can change your heart. He can make you more useful. He can make you a vessel that is absolutely perfect for every use. He can bless you and bless others enormously. There's a very, very small little piece here about Shobai and Barzillai and Makir. But they came out and they were willing. They saw the king and they saw the king leading his people. And they said, we want to provide and take part in this and take part abundantly. And they gave. They made themselves available and they shared and met the needs of the people. Young people, let me encourage you to begin now considering what kind of a vessel you are for the Lord. What you're carrying, what you're sharing, how capable you are of sharing, how willing you are to share, what you have within you. 
And the Lord will change you and make you exactly that useful vessel that he wants you to be. Learn now. Learn now to be the useful vessel so that you might feed the hungry, the thirsty, and the weary.